Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, if you're on the Pacific Coast. Good whatever it might be, depending on... uh... Where the heck you're at? You know, listeners across the globe on this bad boy, so I guess we can drop a little Truman Show action on you. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Baspris. This is your Tuesday edition. I don't even need the countdown clock anymore because I can handle it with just a couple of fingers. I'll give you the peace sign. And that's how many days until NBA action. Don't you love when people call it NBA basketball? National Basketball Association basketball? Sarcasm. Should I have hashtagged that sarcasm? Is that what the kids do these days? I don't understand hashtags. I don't know if I ever will. Luckily, the awesome dudes over at the uh, HoopBall Instagram page have a better handle on them than I do. That, of course, is Instagram.com slash HoopBallOfficial. Boy, those guys are doing so great. How the heck? Man. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. Hoopball official over on Instagram if you want to give them a follow. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. That's the only service I really know how to use at this point. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Big thank you earlier today to my good friend Gil Alexander over on VEASAN for allowing me to pop on that show, a numbers game, and talk betting on the NBA resumption. Mostly that I am pro-Sacramento at this point. I think the Kings are one of the real values on the board. I know they lost Marvin Bagley, but they didn't really have him the whole year. So, feh. Feh. It's De'Aaron Fox. He's the motor on that team. I think we know that at this point. Yesterday, we talked at great length about what Tom Thibodeau's hiring in New York could actually mean for the team. We're not going to spend any more time on that today because we'll deal with it when, if slash when it becomes officially official. And then we'll deal with it when we get closer to, you know, October, November, when something might actually have anything at all to do with the Knicks again. It doesn't today. When to our normal pattern at this point here on uh, Hoop Balls Fantasy NBA Today, hoop-ball.com is the website, of course. By the way, if you want it, you still last kind of basically last chance to get uh, the Hoop Ball draft boards for the Resumption Leagues, my nine-category board and Eric Ong's points leagues board available at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Uh, A number of you have gotten it, which is awesome, makes me feel loved, and you can still do so now because I think you have one and a half days at this point uh, if you want to do that before we shut that sucker down. Okay, here's the plan for today's show. The plan for today's show is we're going to go over NBA news because there's something every day at this point, and then we'll transition into some results from the... It's not a mock draft. This is a real resumption league draft. 
We'll go through them relatively quickly, although I do want to pause a bit as it got later, because as I mentioned towards the end of yesterday's show, I was blown away at how well-prepared all of the people were in this draft. Not only did they have our draft board, but it looked as though many folks had gone out of their way to prep their own stuff, hunt for some diamonds in the rough, as it were. And so we'll pause and, and we'll discuss some of those names. But I do love that there is this measure of consistency now in the pod where we get to talk about NBA news at the beginning of the show. This is just marvelous. It is normal. Normal. We got good news on Jamal Murray. Sounds like he uh, was it, it is getting there, which is great because the Nuggets really didn't have almost anybody healthy on their team, and uh, guys are are starting to to turn the corner. That's good news. Freddie Van Fleet practiced on Monday, so it sounds like his thing is not particularly serious. And I guess with that in mind. I should probably move him back up a little bit. Remember yesterday, live on the podcast, we dropped him from early 20s to early 30s. I'm going to move him back up, not quite as far. I'm going to set him now in the mid-20s instead of the early 20s. But he does get bumped back into the general range where you found him yesterday. Eric Bledsoe is still not scrimmaging for the Milwaukee Bucks, so he's someone that should remain relatively low on your draft boards. We're not going to make any adjustments there. Uh, Nikola Jokic didn't look particularly good. Oh, Jamal Murray, by the way, he ended up scoring 23 points in their scrimmage yesterday, so that that did go well. Apologies, we almost forgot to drop that bad boy in there. Um, there is word this morning that Anthony Davis might miss the start of the resumption. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think he's going to play. I think he's got to have been waiting long enough. The Clippers, I know it doesn't really mean much, but I think he's probably going to play. So I'm not going to make too many adjustments there either. If he misses the front end of this resumption, you probably just see a little bit more AD towards the back end. I think we still have to assume he's aiming for about six and a half of the eight games to actually appear on the basketball court. Shout out to our most recent re-partners over at mybookie.com. It was so cool to talk to Gil on a numbers game about betting. I continue to uh, lean heavily towards the Sacramento Kings as a possible avenue for uh, winning some money. And one of the ways that I like it, and this might not be available yet, but it's it's popping up at certain places, is win totals. Basically, we're doing now win totals for just the eight games. I see some Kings three and a half bouncing around. I think the over on that is great. I love the idea of Sacramento making that ninth place seeding game, if we can get any odds on that. And if you're going to look over and check out some future stuff, you should do it at mybookie.ag. Sports are back, baby! We've all been waiting for this time, and since March, and now it is finally here. MyBookie's got up to the middle odds on all your favorite teams. And there's never been a time, a better time, to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win. They pay. And here's the most important part. You ready? My bookie will match your deposit 100%, a full deposit match. Remember back in December, January, they were only doing 50% match? Well, with Hoopball, you come along with us, you get a 100% deposit match and a $10 baseball futures wager. They're just going to drop that coin in your in your coffers. 
you could place your $10 baseball futures wager on any team in, in MLB. And all you got to do is sign up with promo code HOOPBALL while the promotion lasts. You get that 100% deposit bonus. Minimum 25. I believe the maximum is 1,000. Although it might be higher than that. Don't quote me on the maximum. So, I mean, you could pop in there and you could put 30, 40 bucks in your account. They'll give you that amount again. Put 40 bucks in, you get an extra 40 in credit and a $10 baseball futures wager. Again, promo code is HOOPBALL. That's my bookie. You bet, you win, they pay. Digging it. Digging it. Don't worry. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk betting as we work our way through this stuff as well. Fear not, my fine feathered friends. Let's transition over and talk a bit about some of these draft results. I think this is kind of the last thing we really need to do before games happen, which of course begs the question of what the hell we're going to talk about uh, on Thursday morning. Thursday morning, you might just hear me screaming for 25 minutes straight that basketball is back. There's a distinct possibility that that's the entire podcast on Thursday. So gird your loins, ladies and germs. I believe we went through the first four rounds. This is back on Thursday, so it's been a little bit, and you'll forgive me if I've uh, lost myself. But we'll start at the beginning of the fifth round uh, of the... This is a $10 league. Yes, 12 teams putting $10 on the line. Big money, no whammies. Pick number 49. Start the fifth round. Shabazz Napier, who, again... Listen, I actually like this pick. I've got Shabazz at 43 on my chart, but there are, as Adam King pointed out on Friday, there are some some ways where he doesn't get the 35 minutes a game that we're hoping for. So there's a little bit of risk there, and the fact that we had him so high was under the assumption we could maybe draft him not quite that high. Like maybe we could get him in the 50s or 60s, but he's going in the 40s. People are well aware of Shabazz, and I don't know if it's my fault or someone else's, but that's where we're at now. So probably won't end up with him in that many places. Seems like the shine is off. Aaron Gordon at 50, which, you know, I did bump him down uh, half a round on yesterday's show with the news that Jonathan Isaac is going to be playing more. I like Gordon a lot better at power forward than I do at small forward. Uh, but what I do like about Gordon lately is that, you know, Jonathan Isaac being back is not going to change what he was doing in the offense, and I don't think it's going to change the pace. The Magic were playing at an extraordinarily high clip. An actual pace of play had gone up for Orlando leading up to the shutdown. You guys remember we did a pretty good deep dive on that and just, you know, the, the number of shots being taken, the scores of their games as things were winding down back in March. So that's why I remain pretty high on Gordon and pretty high on the Magic as a unit. So I'm not all that upset with him going uh, at 50 here. I think I probably, there's a handful of guys I'm, I'm looking at ahead of him. Although in this draft, all of my favorite guys are coming off the board. Buddy Heald at 51, I'm good with that selection. I mean, he's, he's coming off the bench, but the Kings keep losing bodies. So every time they lose a body, someone else is going to have to do a little bit more. And Heald was trucking along at around a top 60 per game clip, even when he was coming off the bench. And I think there's also a reasonable chance he plays in seven or eight of these games. So there's there's your slight bonus. And again, I don't want to spend too much time on these guys because we did cover these particular players in our industry mock. Gordon Hayward at 52. He's a guy I'm likely avoiding with the looming specter of a baby. <laughs> That's a weird way to phrase it. He's a possibility he could leave the bubble in the middle of this resumption campaign. Although... 
you know, the, the more we don't hear about it, the more I say go for it on him because if he's really falling into the 50s now with this news, he could very easily be, you know, a 30-something a per-game guy. And even if he leaves after four or five games, you've probably gotten your money's worth here at this point. Zion went at 53, a little early for my taste on him, although, again, maybe we see the defensive stats pick up. Fournier at 54. You guys are killing me in this draft. You're absolutely killing me in this draft. I have Fournier at 48, but I didn't expect him to go anywhere near this early. I I thought there was a better-than-average chance he would get to me at 59. Clearly, he did not. Mikhail Bridges at 55. I like that pick. Jakob Pertl at 56. That's a lot of trust, and he's going to get minutes. We have him at 82, though. I, th- I thought I was being fairly aggressive getting him into the early 80s and considering the mid to late 70s, and here he is going at 56. There are just too many gaps in his game. He has a great field goal percent, good block stuff. He'll, go- he'll get some rebounds on that team right now, but, I, I mean, even the- with him starting, there's no guarantee that he's going to play 30 minutes. They're going to need him because Trey Lyles is out, too. No LaMarcus Aldridge, no Trey Lyles, and Pirtle's going to be definitely fantasy worthy don't get me wrong on that front but with some of the names still on the board here I I don't know that I'm willing to take that gamble in the 50s 60s I'd think about it 70s yeah I'd be fine if you want to do a little bit of grabbing there but like listen to some of these names here uh TJ Warren at 57 he's he's gonna beat that this is an easy that was the guy I was eyeballing once Fournier was off the board was TJ Warren 57 absolutely Absolutely. Steven Adams at 58. Um, yeah, I mean, we have him. That's route, That's right where we have him. But he's going to have to be good. This is My assumption is that he will be good because I think Oklahoma City is going to play their guys. But again, I just, you know, I, I know some people value certain things more than I do. I, the, the free throw thing worries the hell out of me especially in these short bursts, one really bad. If he goes to line 11 times in one of these games and hits five of them, you're just you're almost definitely not going to be better than average in free throws in your league. That's it. That's all it takes in an eight-game sprint. So when all of these guys were off the board, I ended up debating between Marcus Smart and Norman Powell, and, those were kind of, and Will Barton. Those were kind of the three guys that I was contemplating at this juncture. I ended up going Marcus Smart, with the assumption that Kemba Walker is going to take some time off, Gordon Hayward might have to leave partway, I think they give Tatum and Brown each a game off in there somewhere. And so if you roll all that together, one of our issues with Marcus Smart was that if he's now going back to kind of being the fifth wheel and the bench guy, he drops in value. Still would have been a solid value, but not as good as he was during the regular season. Now, you roll some of these other factors in, and Marcus Smart, who uh, during the regular season was number 57 on a per-game basis, playing 32 and a half minutes a game, largely because, again, guys like Hayward and Walker were out for stretches. Everybody missed time on that Boston team, including Smart. And this is what we talked about in the offseason. They became a Marcus Smart-style team where they just played so hard that they got themselves hurt. If in five of these eight games, Smart is a starter, you know, let's say Kemba sits two of them out, he starts for him those. Let's say Hayward leaves one or two games early, he starts for him those. Tatum gets one off, Brown gets one off. I mean, you're looking at Marcus Smart potentially starting as many as six of the eight games. He'll probably rest one of the other two. 
And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a Marcus Smart that's not that far off from what he was during the regular season, which was 57 with all 30 teams. And so maybe he's a guy now in looking at our board that probably deserves a little bit of a boost. We have him at 52, which I don't think is that far off, frankly, from where he should be. Uh, but, you know, you look at him against a guy even like an Evan Fournier. Maybe you put him in front of Fournier or Norman Powell. You could make an okay argument to move Marcus Smart up by four, maybe five slots. It's only a little bit, but it's not nothing. Norman Powell went at 60. He was going to be the guy I took coming back in the next round. If he made it to me, he did not. Bull Bull went at 61. This is a saucy play. This is a saucy play. I know he looked good in a scrimmage, but woof. Thing, the thing here, too, is that generally I've really liked the picks that this team has made so far. Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, Middleton, JJJ, Norman Powell, and then Bull Bull. Wow, that came out of the blue. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't think this dude is playing. If Denver is actually getting their wings back and Jokic is playing and Plumlee's playing, I, like, where the hell is Bowl Bowl going to find more than 10 minutes of ballgame? Not at 61. I mean, you know, this is a guy that would have definitely been on the board 45 picks later. Fine, if you want him on your team, take him at 110. Nobody's scooping that dude from you. Nobody. And I was thankful that he went there because that left my favorite player, <laughs> Daniel Tice. Oh, I know, I know the merciless ribbing is coming my way, but geez, man, Daniel Tice, 78 over the entire regular season. We can we can walk this plank again. I have no problem with talking about Daniel Tice every damn day of the week. He was number 68 over uh, his last 37 ball games. He was number 55 over his last 24 ball games. Daniel Tice was on the rise as his minutes were on the rise. It's his job. He could easily be a top 50 guy during this resumption. I think he plays seven or maybe even all eight of these games. And to get him in the 60s is a no-brainer. No, I'm not worried about Robert Williams. No, I'm not worried about Ennis Cantor. Daniel Tice is playing 27 minutes a game. Well, resumption season is a little weird, but maybe around then. And in that amount of time, he was putting up 12, 7.5, 1.7 defensive stats. He shot 63% from the field, near 80% at the foul line, almost no turnovers a game. I love it. The quiet super center. He's like new Gorgie Jang. There. I got it. That makes me feel better, actually. Gorgie Jang, you guys remember his top 50 season? Ah, those were the days. 2016-2017, he averaged 10-8, and 2.3 defensive stats, 50% from the field, 81 at the foul line. You know who ain't that far away from those numbers? Daniel freaking Tice, who I just mentioned. Over those last 25 games when he was playing, almost started. I mean, he wasn't even at 30. I don't expect him to get to 30, but 27 minutes a game. He was at 12, 7.5. Only 1.7 defensive stats. Didn't get as many steals a game as uh, Gorgie Jang did, but better field goal percent, similar free throws, and a little less than one three-pointer a game. I mean, you're, you're legitimately talking about a, a potential top 50 guy. All right, that's enough Daniel Tice. You guys you guys have heard enough of me. Jalen Brown went at 63. I'm good with that one. Will Barton at 64. I am 
absolutely fine with both of those. Very reasonable, safe sixth round guys for resumption. Ricky Rubio at 65. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a round where we've got him too. I don't know if I need to adjust him down at all. The, the question marks surrounding how much he's going to play here are starting to make me a little more nervous now than they did two weeks ago with his late arrival, uh, the COVID stuff. I mean, there's... I just, you know, I thought that he would want to be kind of leading whatever little young player charge they had here during this resumption campaign, but I'm starting to think that now health is becoming a bigger situation for him. Uh, almost the same deal with, with Eric Bledsoe, although, you know, at least he's on a better team. And so with Rubio, I, I'm contemplating moving him down almost around in my rankings and, and kind of maybe sliding guys around him a little bit as well. Not sure it helps all that much, again, given we're two days away from all of this stuff happening. But figure you guys might be locked into your slow draft as we speak. And maybe this will give you a little bit of clarity. Derek White went at 66. Yeah, he's a guy I've been considering moving higher on my list. We've got him at 71. And I do still think that there is some shutdown stuff happening in San Antonio. My hope is that he falls to me at 71. And looking at the guys right in front of him, I don't know that you make a really strong argument to move him up more than maybe two slots, three at the very most on our draft board. So, you know, you have to be considering him if you have pick, this was 66 in this draft, because this team isn't going to pick again until 79. So if that's your guy, you go get him there. Mike Conley at 67, Brooke Lopez at 68. I like both of those. Those are fine. Al Horford at 69 is too early for me. The Sixers are downplaying the severity of whatever's going on with Joel Embiid's calf, and I'm going to go ahead and trust them for now. He'll almost definitely sit out a game, maybe as many as two, in which case you could get two good ones out of Horford and then six kind of clunky ones. I'll pass when you consider the fact that there still really are about 12 to 15 decent names on the board, like really legitimately useful guys still available. Brandon Clark being the next guy drafted. He's one of them. Clark looked great in the scrimmage. Uh, I see no reason he shouldn't be solid in these games, and Memphis is probably going to want to trot their guys out in all eight of them. And, uh, you know, we have Clark as early as 57 on our board. So, yeah, absolutely, at 70. Duncan Robinson at 71. That's fine. That's about where we've got him on our board. Terrence Ross at 72. Those guys are frightfully similar. Nemanja Bielitsa at 73, the voodoo doll, working just fine. We had him way the hell down on our board. Ultimately, I moved him up into the early 90s. This is a bit soon for my take. Uh, but, you know, if Harrison Barnes doesn't get up to speed, then you could see Bielitsa doing even more in the first couple of ball games. I think he'll be fine. You know, maybe I went late here. Maybe we're looking at top 90-ish type regular season numbers, so perhaps that is more like 70-something. And you, you could convince me to shuffle him around a little bit on my board. But it, again, it wouldn't be much. And so, you know, I'm not going to tweak it yet. I, I think, for my money, a little early for me on this one, when you think about the guys that are still available at this, at this juncture, guys that are guaranteed a bigger role, bigger usage, than Bielitsa. I get it. This dude doesn't have a pick for 23 slots, so you're not going to get him probably if you waited, but you had a shot to, whereas there's a lot of guys here coming up that 
I'd be more excited to have than than Nemanja Bjelica. Derek Favors, who went at 74, is not really one of those guys. He'll be fine, but he's not exciting. I have Favors at 75 on our big board. Thomas Bryant went at 75. He makes me nervous, but we do have him uh, in that same range, um, late 60s on our big board, because I think he'll play at least 20-something minutes a game. I don't think they're going to dial him up into the 30s. There's no reason to run him ragged in meaningless ball games, but he can put up value in 20-something minutes, and with nobody else around to get any usage, he should be fine. In fact, the guy that went right behind him here is the only other guy you could argue is going to get a bunch of usage on that team, and that's Rui Hachimura, who we have at 70 on our big board. He went at 76 here. I like it. Victor Oladipo at 77. Uh, That's fine, because he'll be better than this on a per-game basis. They'll rest him almost for sure in probably two of the eight games. But you get six big ones out of him, and that's well worth a 77th overall pick. Millsap at 78, that's a safe play. Troy Brown Jr. at 79, uh, probably a little bit early for me on that one. I think he's going to be decent during this resumption campaign, but again, I'd rather go with the sure bets here. And the next few guys, I I would call a little bit more sure things. You could argue maybe Troy Brown has a tiny bit more upside than a couple of the names I'm about to read off, but the downside is also uh, certainly much more evident. Malcolm Brogdon at 80, he's a safer play. We did see how how clunky he was at the end of the regular season, so the possibility the bottom falls out. Marcus Gasol at 81, he'll be fine. Yusuf Nurkic at 82, this is a perfectly reasonable spot to end up with Nurk. We have him uh, in the 70s on our board, and to me, that's still kind of fading his health a little bit. So the fact that he fell to 82, I was actually at this point, I figured I was going to be able to get him at the next spot. So that kind of pissed me off. I ended up going Joe Ingles at 83. He was actually not my favorite player left on the board, but I was realizing my team was short wings and short assists. So I went smoking Joe, even though uh, he was not my highest ranked guy left. He's at 79 on our big board. And there were still a couple of guys sitting in front of him left on this thing. Bogdan Bogdanovich went at 84. I'm fine with that. Serge Ibaka went at 85. I am also fine with that, although we have him a little bit later on our deal. I went Dennis Schroeder at 86, and this is just dice roll time. 100% dice roll time. I have Schroeder ranked at 90th on our big board because I think he only plays in probably two or three of these games. But on the cha- every additional game he racks up, he jumps about 15 slots. So, like, if he lasts the whole resumption season before his baby is born and he plays seven or eight games, he's probably a top 50 guy. But there's a chance he plays in none, two, one, four, whatever. And so at this point, at pick 86, I felt comfortable taking a chance on him because, you know, my first seven picks, I felt like were very much set it and forget it, guys. There was no risk factor there. And so I took a little risk in the 80s. Whatever, you know? The rest of the guys on the board here, the other guys I was considering, OG Ananobi, Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway Jr., Eric Bledsoe, they're big, big question marks on those guys. Bledsoe, will he play? Seth Curry, is he going to see the same minutes here coming back? Tim Hardaway, does he not shoot 30%? I mean, he could drown you. So screw it. I took Schroeder, who I knew was going to be Arguably the best of those guys on a per-game basis, but we just don't know if he's going to play. 
Bledsoe went right after me, by the way. He went at 87. I'm also fine with that. I think you you take the chance there because if he's out on the floor, he's going to be better than that because there aren't eight teams. We're missing eight teams. Uh, Nerlens Noel at 91. Oh, sorry. I jumped ahead here. I skipped three picks. Uh, Lou Williams at 88. Given he's now suspended, this happened before that. This is too early for me even before the suspension because his game just doesn't translate that well if he's not the, the primary scoring option, and he won't be on that team. Montrez at 89. If we knew he was going to be back, I think I'd be good with this pick. There's just there the question marks make that one a tough one, but I get it because of the remaining guys, he's easily the most interesting. Because Seth Curry went at 90, that's fine. Nerlens Noel at 91, that's a good pick. DiVincenzo at 92, I'm fine with that as well. You know, we're starting to get into the plotting types a little bit here, and they're not too far off from where we have them on our big board as well. Goran Dragic went at 93. People love Dragic, and I don't fully know why. Uh, you know, maybe you're hunting points late in a, dra- in a draft, but he's really not shown the ability to stay healthy and have fantasy value. So I pass on him. He's, just, he's on our list, but he's, he's down near the bottom. Ananobi at 94. I like this pick a lot um, because I think he's going to play in seven of the games. Um... I think you're going to see the Raptors resting their other guys in rotating fashion. Lowry's not going to play in all eight. Freddie's not going to play in all eight. Gasol, Serge, Norm, none of those guys. I don't think any of those guys play in all eight games, which means in every single one of those where someone not named Ananobi is resting, OG is going to get that bump in usage that he loves when someone is out. He was, I mean, he was in the 70s during the regular season, and, you know, you pull out eight teams, you're looking at a mid-50s if things went the same way they did during the regular Now, they probably had more injuries then than they will now, but, I mean, boy, for him to fall into the 90s, I get it. I get that there's fear of inconsistency with him, but this is, like, the absolute worst-case scenario, so that's a great one. Josh Richardson at 95, I'm fine with that. Take a chance on him, you know, getting back to some measure of health and value, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. at 96, I'm also good with that one. All of this stuff adds up for me. You know, it's hard to clown on picks once you get to this point in a draft because this is time to take chances. Jonathan Isaac went at 97. This is right around the news breaking that he was going to be scrimmaging, so congratulations to the bridge burners for being on the clock when that news came out. Yeah, absolutely, you take a shot on him. You know, that that's the kind of thing maybe I would have done instead of Dennis Schroeder in the 80s at this point. I think you can take a chance on Isaac in the 80s, and if we get more good news before resumption play kicks off, then you could bump him even earlier. Like, I could see you taking a sixth-round pick and throwing it on him and just hoping that he plays well, because that's the kind of guy that could carry you if he does play in six or seven of these games and plays even most of his minutes. Not even all of them. Mo Wagner at 98. Yeah, whatever. I mean, he'll he'll play. Kleba at 99. Redick at 100. All of this stuff is very humdrum at this point in a draft. Fultz at 101. Garrett Temple at 102. Jordan Clarkson, 103. Joe Harris fell to 104. That actually surprised me a little bit. I thought he would end up going uh, a bit sooner. We have him at 93 on our big board because he's going to have a job. He was the guy that I was hoping would get back to me at this point, because I was starting to pay attention now. He didn't. Jeremy Grant went at 105, and JaVale McGee went right in front of my team at 106. So both Harris and McGee were the guys that I had in my queue that emptied it out, and then I was left debating between Jay Crowder 
uh, Ivica Zubats and Kent Bazemore of the remaining names on the board if I wanted to take guys that I thought. And so here's the thing. Here's the other half of it. By me taking my shot in the eighth round on Schroeder and hoping that he's able to stay in the bubble for most of those eight games, that meant that in the ninth round, I felt like I needed to go with a safe play to get me my eighth starter in case Schroeder didn't go. So I went Jay Crowder at 107, and I'm fine with that. I, you know, he was he was better than that with Miami, though his percentages will probably come back to earth a little bit. He's going to play. He's tough, veteran. They're going to roll him out there for 28 minutes a game. I think he could beat this mark, so I'm not really upset about it, but the fact that I took Schroeder meant that I couldn't really take another shot here. I had to get somebody that was like, okay, I need someone who's going to play in seven games, and probably get me top 100 or maybe a slightly better value. So I went Crowder. Ish Smith, Zach Collins went back-to-back at the end of the ninth, beginning of the 10th round, and it brought back to me. And so at this point, I thought, all right, you know what? I'm going to take the other side of this equation and say, look, what if Montrez Harrell doesn't come back quickly? And I went Ivica Zubats, knowing full well that if Trez comes back, I'm probably dropping Zoo for someone on the waiver wire. And I'm okay with that. i rather go that direction for the chance Trez misses the first game or two. Let's say he doesn't get, I mean, even two games out of my 10th round guy. If Zoo is getting, you know, 24, 25 minutes instead of 19, that's a big deal. Then you get like a 7th, 8th round kind of guy for a couple of games and you cast him into the ocean when you don't need him anymore. That's why I went him over Bazemore here because Baze is going to be fine for all eight games, but I don't think there's any game where he goes big. Same deal with uh, Justin Holiday, who went right after Bays. He'll be fine, but he's probably not going big. And at this point, you got to kind of go big game hunting, even if it's just for a game or two. Matisse Thibault went at 113. I mean, Philly's going to have to rest a lot of guys for that to be a thing. Uh, I'm going to uh, butcher the last name here. I think it's Kyoza. Uh, uh, over on Brooklyn, first name Chris, went at 114. Dylan Brooks at 115. Kelly Oubre at 116. Yeah, why the hell not? I mean, what if he plays? Harry Giles in Sacramento at 117. If they get eliminated, you might see more of him. Shake Milton at 118. That's fine. He's likely their starting point guard. I don't think he's going to do very much because he's way down in the pecking order, but screw it. Roll the dice. Kendrick Nunn at 119. Daniel House at 120. Uh, you're not really taking a shot with either of those guys, but we're running out of shots to take at this point because the 11th and final round, Kelly Olenek, Rudyans Kurix, Terrence Davis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Dario Saric, Monty Morris, Derek Jones Jr. I mean, that one's probably got the best legs of the bunch. Isak Bunga, Kyle Kuzma, PJ Tucker. I went KCP in the last round of this draft. And Mr. Irrelevant. At 132, Dwight Howard, who I actually like as a pick, especially if AD misses any games here with the poked eye, he and JaVale McGee get a slightly larger bounce. And those are the results. That was uh, rounds 5 through 11 of the Resumption League draft that we're in here. Really nice work by a lot of these teams. I, you, you heard me. Even the ones that I was calling out a little bit were kind of like a, well, you know, there were just a handful of picks that I thought were completely out of their out of their gourd insane these guys did their homework really nicely done you did your homework by studying my board and you guys did your homework by studying studying your own stuff and coming up with some interesting guys to pick 
Tomorrow and Thursday, I can tell you legitimately right now, I don't know what we're doing on this podcast. Between now and then, check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. We're firing up a long-term partnership with our buddies over at Manscaped, and we're so glad that you guys can come along for the ride. Go get the Lawnmower 3.0. It's the sideburn trimmer to end all sideburn trimmers. Get yourself one. Get yourself one at manscaped.com. Again, the promo code there is HOOPBALL20. Reminder from earlier in the show, mybookie.ag. The coupon code there is just the word HOOPBALL. Every time you guys go and you get something from these places, we look better. So go do it, and we can look awesome. Have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody. We'll figure out what the hell we're talking about tomorrow when we get there. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. I'm Dan Baspris. We'll talk to you in 24 hours. So long, friends. This has been a hoopball presentation.